0: Hello and welcome once again to It Is Complicated, the podcast where we answer every single question with It Is Complicated, including the title of the podcast, which is It Is Complicated. Hello once again, Michelle and Dr. J.
1: Hello, Josephine and Michelle. How are you and in insert time period here since we last talked?
0: We, we spoke mere days ago, <laughs> depending on when this goes out. Dear listener, we may be recording this back to back for you. And as the topic goes on, you will realize why. But mm-hmm. uh, yes, in the last seven days exactly since this recording went out, Dr. J, I have been
1: extremely well. How have you been? I am pleased to hear that, Josephine. I also have been extremely well in the insert time period here between recordings.
2: I've had an emotional roller coaster. I don't know about you two, but this has been a crazy specific amount of time since the last recording. And I, it's just... It's, I, I'm not sure if I'm prepared for the emotional wreck that you have before you've now
0: right now I'd love for you both to introduce yourself because we have to do this podcast
1: maybe I should introduce myself just to make life easy maybe, for
0: maybe you should do. maybe that'd be a good thing <laughs>
1: Hey, I'm Dr. J. I gave myself the job title Harbinger of Change because I work at Footworks, a bespoke software consultancy that allows people to do things like that. I also got to give myself the gender transgressive, non binary, gender queer because I was lucky enough to be born in a country that allowed me to do a statutory declaration of that to change the gender on my passport, which is amazing. Thank you, New Zealand. I'm also a troublemaker and a hashtag queer nuisance because branding. My name is Michelle Belcher.
2: I am a queer as of now, which is my favorite thing to say. I love to tell people I'm queer. I'm a trans woman and I eat video games for breakfast. No, no, let me try that again. I'm sorry.
0: That's adorable. (laughs) Go for it if you want to, but I love
2: it.
1: I love that. So I still haven't figured out what you do.
2: I'm an aspiring community manager and I love working with charities and using video games to raise money for charitable causes. I'm also just very, very big into the retro video game community now.
0: What Michelle's not telling you, Jay, is that Michelle's been involved with several very large endeavors in that regard. She's very good at it. And she has many, many, many fine qualities and credits in that particular arena. I will say that anybody who's looking to hire right now, Michelle, is absolutely fabulous and you should hire for your company. To do that very thing. Hi, my name is Jasmine Baird. I am a scholar, activist, and artist. I, for many years, used to make a spectacle of myself by throwing myself about upon the stage. And I now tend to make a spectacle of myself by drawing queer people and putting those pictures on the internet. I also am a lecturer on game design at the University of Uppsala in Sweden and a PhD candidate at the University of Vienna because why do anything? Simple. I also like to think of myself as a queer with a purpose, and a femme of
1: international mystery. Mm. <laughs> oh, I like the femme of international mystery.
0: <laughs> so, this week we are going to talk about something slightly different, something that's slightly uh, time sensitive for one of our panel. Michelle, would you like to introduce the topic this week? Yeah.
2: So, voices are complicated. In the last episode, I explained that I was recently came out as trans. I'm a little over a year out now. And I've been going through and knocking out dysphoria issues like most trans women do when they come out. And the number one thing for me was just facial hair. I've been dealing with that. But number two, and as a performer that does perform online quite often, dysphoria really hit me really hard in an unexpected area. And that has been my voice. I'm not attempting to alter my voice at all right now but I have done what most trans women do and that is to just train their voice to sound more feminine and and I can try that a little bit right now but I'm a little out of practice and doing that is not comfortable and I'm inconsistent and it is painful And it's just one of those things when I'm talking and thinking and doing charitable causes and being on stage, I don't want to also have to think about my inflection as much. I don't want to have to think about the pitch. I don't want to think about all these things that I'm now having to think about that overcomplicate thinking and talking that I am decided to go the surgical route. So the next time you'll hear me, I will have by that point had vocal feminization surgery. And what they're going to be doing is doing a surgery that will affect my pitch more than anything. They're still like practice. They're still like, how do you sound more feminine? And while those things are all in good and I will be going through those things, what I'm most concerned about is the pitch because to be able to do it on your own with practice requires you to be able to hear yourself. And as someone who is partially deaf, I struggle with that quite a bit and like I can record myself, I can do whatever, but I am experiencing a massive amount of dysphoria when I see anyone that doesn't know who I am and I speak and I'm just like instantly clocked. And I guess really, I think the best place to start on like the discussion, I guess would be the fact of why would you do it? So I don't like the idea of getting a surgery to make cis people comfortable. So I debated this surgery for years before I even came out as trans person. And I was just like, is that something I would want? And going back and forth, arguing with myself over the fact of like, in a perfect world, I shouldn't have to do this. I should be able to speak with this deep voice that I naturally am born with. And that shouldn't be, boom, that's a masculine voice. But that's not the world I live in. The world I live in and the world I have to live in, that is going to clock me every time. That is going to, um, that's going to divert from what I'm saying and then focus on like everything else than what I'm saying. And I want my words to matter based on the words, not how they sound so much. So I've decided that for my comfort, and for my well-being and to not have to fight this fight my whole life, for the rest of my life, I'm going to go through this for myself.
0: For me personally, I think it's a really interesting question that I've had to go through myself because I have had certain medical issues. I don't even know what the word is for it anymore because it was like medical interventions. It wasn't an intervention. Mm. It was a medical procedure. Oh, that sounds really clinical. I did a medical thing that I wanted for myself, but I had the exact same uh, dialogue with myself about who am I doing this for? Mm -hmm. Why am I doing this? Because, of course, there is that aspect of like, am I doing this in order to make people more comfortable around me who shouldn't be afforded that? Mm -hmm. borrowing the word cohort from my friend sabina again this cohort that has put me in this position of feeling vulnerable am i doing it for them and that feels really really not the right reason to do something however just like michelle said we live in a world where we have to survive to not account for that is actually self-defeating but at the same time like do i need this to define who i am i guess i'm curious for you michelle when i made my choices for the mm-hmm. procedures that I went in, for want of a better word, maybe we try and think of a better word, but for the actions that I chose, I chose them in the end for a combination of they reflected who I was
2: mm-hmm. in an
0: outward format that would be recognizable to the majority of people who weren't just cis, but to other people as well, that would present something that I felt inherently true to myself. And in that sense, I'm really comfortable. I don't hide my transness. I certainly don't hide my history. The funny thing with voice specifically is that I considered it too. I was actually offered that surgery here in Sweden. Very lucky, actually, here in Sweden, because I would have been able to do it on the National Health Service because they offer it as part of that. The doctor I met, we discussed it a lot. And in the end, I chose not to for some very specific reasons, one of which happens to be, that Effie, who I'm living with, my partner, she has a hearing impairment, which means that she can't hear on certain registers. She can hear me much better if I retain the resonance. And I'd been doing this speech therapy where it was like, the way to make my voice read as more feminine is to reduce the resonance and raise the pitch. I'm able to physically raise the pitch and reduce the resonance without too much effort. And it's partly because of the acting I used to do partly because I was able to work on it the way I was. So it wasn't painful for me, although it was effort, but I found that the person I was talking to the majority of my day could no longer hear me.
2: <laughs> That's a good reason to make <laughs> a choice. I
0: was, like, so I was like, okay, I have a choice. Do I read in the way that I personally feel matches my sense of self more often. And yes, would make my life easier on the telephone because dear God, that is true. And I am really tired of getting this. I had it today. Someone rang and said, hi, is this Josephine? Yes. Is this Josephine? (sighs) Yes, it is. I'm looking for Josephine. I'm like, I too am looking for Josephine. Who is Josephine really? (laughs) It is I. You spake to me, spake unto me, and then (laughs) give me tithe because this is really pissing me off. You know, it's just that thing of like the choice I made was actually because I wanted to be heard, like you said, in a way. Now, for me, that was my choice, but it was a strategic one, as was many of my decisions. However, they do reflect an inner self that I'm comfortable with. So I'm wondering, is that part of what your decision is here? Is it also sort of like social to be recognized for the person you are?
2: It's really funny that you mentioned like to make it a reflection of yourself, because that has been the biggest part of my debate with it. I'm making it who I want to be. I don't know who that is yet. I haven't that's met her so yet.
0: interesting. Oh, that's wonderful.
2: The problem is this voice defines who I was more than anything. Because who I was, I loved him. And I loved the bounciness and the playfulness and the performance that he was capable of doing. But that's not me now. And... This is like the last remnants of that person that I don't know what I'm going to become. And that's the hard part. So I am giving up things to be who I want to be. And that's how I see it. Because I don't know what inflections, what sound, what cadence. I'm pretty sure my cadence is going to change due to my sound because of now I can sound this way. So now I can talk this way. Whereas currently my speech patterns are just like how I've always been with like a Southern cis white man. And I know how to communicate in that way. When you can't perform the voice, it's just like, Performing my gender is easy for me in all ways but my voice right now. Everything else comes naturally to me. But when I hear myself, I don't hear her. And at this point, it's my strongest point of dysphoria. I don't know how to even attack it without this help there's a lot of negativity towards these surgeries because so many people are just like, well, I was able to get by it. You shouldn't have to need this. And I'm like, well, that's great. Congratulations for you. And a lot of trans women are able to do that. And that's amazing. But there are, I want to say like a good percentage of us who are like me, have like either disabilities or they're just physically can't like there's muscles. Some of us don't know how to use. And that's something I've been very vocal about. It's like, this is an acceptable surgery.
1: I like your attitude towards it. I mean, as somebody who grew up with a stutter, has had to go through a lot of speech therapy. I've talked about how I don't like my voice that much and how I relate to my voice. And also being tone deaf, hearing the pitch of my own voice is really difficult. Hearing whether or not it's high or low is actually really hard for me to do. So I have no sense of what it sounds like, but also I get so full of hay fever and asthma that my voice will squeak and squawk and not sound like me on some of the recordings. I know that on some of the recordings, you can hear a lot more of the struggle that I'm having to make sounds. Also growing up with that, with a stutter, you're focusing so hard sometimes You know what you want to say and it's trying to get everything to line up and keep yourself relaxed enough to say something because mine's an anxiety stutter. So the more tense I get, the more I will stutter. People don't realize how much it disrupts being able to communicate when you have to focus on making the sounds out of your mouth hole come out right and you have to focus on your breath. But it's not just your breath because for me to get my breathing right, it's about keeping myself calm enough. And it's about ensuring that while I'm excited and I want to talk really fast, it's about slowing things down. Because if I run out of breath, I'm going to start to stutter. So it's all of these things that you're constantly playing with. And it's that extra layer of thinking. And it's like being closeted in an environment. We've got to double and triple think everything that you say. It's almost at that level, but it's at that bodily level. Mm -hmm. So I totally respect that you want to be yourself. And this is a way of you doing it without having to constantly double or triple think every time you start talking.
2: For me, I know that I'm going to need assistance for this. I've spent about a decade trying to perfect my feminine voice. This is something that a lot of trans women actually go through An experience, especially with playing video games online with other people. And I'm kind of dating myself, but when Xbox Live first came out and talking to people online over consoles was a brand new thing, it was kind of amazing because at the time they had things that affected your voice. They had like voice effects. And one of them was a voice to make you sound feminine. They don't have this service anymore. This is not something they do anymore. But they had it at the very beginning. They had one that would make you sound like a robot too and other weird, squeaky, funny voices. But there was this one that was very useful to me. And it was my very first moment of ever exploring myself vocally as a woman. Once I got into the right crowd and the right group, I got to explore that. And a lot of people never knew that I was actually a cis man at home. And that was my original exploration with both being a trans woman and exploring my voice. And once I had that one layer gone, I was able to explore it so thoroughly that I do kind of have an idea of how I might sound. But I don't know how that's going to entail in real life. I'm scared but I'm also extremely excited and this new adventure will be an interesting one. I'm also
1: fascinated in the idea of that transformative element of waking up and in two weeks time, you've got these new sounds Mm -hmm. because there's part of me that goes, how would that feel to suddenly have a whole different voice? And how would that feel to make sounds that sound so different? Mm -hmm. from what it was before. Because like
2: relearning how to walk.
1: Yeah. Which I've had to do. And it's difficult to teach your body new things. There's a lot of curiosity that I think next time I'm going to be like, so how was it? How did it go? How did it sound like? And I'll just be like bouncing all over you. And but also (laughs) I'm so tone deaf. I'm probably not going to be able to tell much difference between your voice.
0: These things are so subjective. Mm. And what really disturbs me is of course the ways in which people can apply their own subjective understanding of that to other people. So they'll say, well, I can do this and feel comfortable. So you shouldn't have to do this Mm -hmm. thing. So I'm really sorry, Michelle, that you've had people say that. Unfortunately, I can understand that they have said that to you because I've seen it before, is that they'll say, oh, you don't need to have the surgery because I'm comfortable. And it's like, yeah, good for you. Your subjective experience is that. That's why you have a subjectivity. My subjective experience requires something else, especially when it's combined with my other intersectional needs. So, for example, like Michelle says, the needing to be able to reflect on your own voice requires a certain hearing capacity that Michelle doesn't have. But that means that we can't have an overarching judgment upon i eye of anyone doing this in order to change the way that they speak partly because that's your damn choice and you get to make it. Secondly, I certainly understand it. And I've been there and I've made the same consideration, slightly different choice in the end, but for other reasons. And I think it's perfectly viable and valid. And I really hope it gives you the experience that you want, Michelle. And I really appreciate you being able to speak about this as openly as you do, because it allows me to reflect on my experience. Jay, it sounds like that it's allowed you to reflect on that in a really interesting way as well and I hope that for the listener it does that too and I would apply that to any number of different actions that trans people may or may not take in order to express themselves and their subjectivity in their own way so I for instance took the decision to take hormones and to undergo certain surgeries to express myself now I did this relatively late in my trans experience I came out as I said in the previous episode in the early 2000s and I only did those uh, medical actions, still trying to think of a good word, gender celebrating medically related go. actions. <laughs> there'll, be a, there'll be an acronym there somewhere, right? Gen. And... <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Yes, that. When I, I did those, but only a couple of years ago, at a time I could access them in the way that I wanted to. And mm-hmm. I definitely have had people say, Oh, but why are you doing this? Because you're affecting your body. You're doing this. Who are you doing it for? I'm like, fuck it. I've had 20 years to think about this more than that. I've had 40 years to think about it, but yeah, they're subjective, right? They're for a lot of reasons. And some of that might be, yeah, to get by in a life where you need to be able to be read a certain way sometimes, but also you want to hear yourself the way you would recognize it.
2: Just being, you know, I've been streaming for like 10 years, Um, And I was doing it both on a uh, private and professional manner. And the dysphoria that hit me when I tried presenting as female, but using my old present presentation voice was this massive tidal wave of emotion that I am still trying to dig myself out from under. And it hit me so hard. I've streamed maybe what like, a handful of times personally since then. And this is something I love to do. This is an activity that makes me so happy. And being able to do that again while feeling like myself again is something I crave so much that I'm willing to throw $10,000 at this and spend half a year recovering from to become that person. If something requires that much commitment and without hesitation you take the choice to do it. I can't imagine anyone being like, well, are, are you sure?
0: <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> that's what makes those things so ludicrous, right? When someone says to you, this is the thing we talked about in the last episode where you sort of hear these arguments of like, Oh, trans is this fad because lots of people are coming out as trans all of a sudden. Yeah. They're coming out because it's, it's finally safer to do that. But they'll say like, Oh, it's a fad. And and are you sure? Have you thought about it? And I was like, <laughs> it's hold on this isn't a fact do you have any idea of how hard this is (laughs) do you have any idea of how much work money effort this takes? dear god there may be cultural conversations to be had about why we might feel the need to be read a certain way and what signals we send but there is also a conversation to be had about bodily autonomy and there's a reason why anti-trans and misogynistic arguments tend to come together that they are Mm -hmm. so similar That's why you see people who are being anti-trans who are also anti-choice. These are complicated questions that we almost always have to answer personally. I really appreciate the opportunity to have that conversation with you. So thank you so much for this, Michelle. I'm really also looking forward to that episode that will follow. And dear listener, we will have Michelle back. I get the impression Michelle will be back plenty. <laughs> at least at we're least
2: the one with my new voice. We have to have a before and after. So supposedly after about six months, I will be about 80% recovered. They do say it'll be about a one year full recovery time. But at six months, I will be able to talk as much as I want to talk. So it will take some time. And I'm very lucky with the surgeon that I have that they are working with me with a local speech therapist. And I'm very lucky that they were able to work with me. I just lost my job recently, but I have insurance through till April. So they were able to fast track my surgery so that it would be covered. I'm very lucky in so many, many, many regards. And that I'm, I don't want to shout her out because he uh, donated anonymous, but I have a very special person who donated four, thousand dollars that is making it completely possible for me to do this and she's an amazing trans woman that i have befriended and i'm very 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 happy for her and everything that she does for not just me but so many trans people on the internet now and i can't tell you how many blessings i have when it comes to this regard so I'm extremely lucky. And that is the thing that I keep in mind with all of this, that while, yes, I'm, I'm depressed from the sadness of losing a part of myself. And I'm depressed about the fight I have up ahead with learning who I am and learning my new relationships with the people I love and how they will interact with me differently now. But I can't think of any other way to go about this. So staying like this Indefinitely, at least, I don't know if I could survive it. So, while I've definitely made a choice, it also feels like just like becoming trans, the choice was made for me. So, it's just who I am.
1: I think we should celebrate the you that's got you here. We should celebrate Mm -hmm. this amazing person who's also realizing that that change is huge, but it's celebrating the you that got you through, the you that got you to this point, the you that. Mm -hmm has also sat down and made this decision that has made Mm -hmm. the decision to change because that's a huge thing. I've not had any voluntary surgery around my body or my gender in any way. The small stuff I needed to change was the stuff that I needed to change. I didn't need to follow any transnormativity path. I didn't need to fit into a particular narrative to feel like me. And to be able to be me, some of it was about changing how I thought about me. At 25, I had a massive operation on my face to stop my nose from growing shut, to stop my sinuses. And that slowly has changed my voice. I can breathe now through my nose, which changes how you can talk, which changes some of how you can move your voice around a little bit. Because I'm tone deaf, I can't really hear the external changes in my voice. I know that from the inside, some stuff has become a lot easier and it's a lot easier now to be loud. It's a lot easier now to be a little bit more resonant than I used to be, but it's still you end up having to celebrate the you that got you here Mm -hmm. and looking forward to where that journey is going to take you and what you sound like.
2: Will my voice change my personality so much that I sound differently? And I'm curious about that effect. I'm not there yet. I don't know how that'll be. And will you hear that change? Oh, that's, that's interesting. a different thing. We're using our voices to talk about our voices. And it's very meta. And I was just like, this is the way to do this. Like when I talked to Josephine on Twitter, I was just like, I told her about the idea. And I was like, hey, you have a podcast why don't we talk about this on a podcast because we're going to be using our voices to talk about voices. And it just was like, it felt perfect to me. So I really appreciate you guys inviting me on to this show and allowing me to do this. So it means a lot and I appreciate it.
0: It's an absolute pleasure. And what will be fun for me is when I get to edit it because then I'm listening to my own voice, listening to your voice, talking about our voices and then my brain explodes. And <laughs> Hopefully the the episode you've just listened to, dear listener, makes some sense. I feel like we're coming to a point where it's a to-be-continued moment, Mm -hmm. which I'm really excited for. I'm really looking forward to hearing what comes next for you, Michelle. And some of these questions are really fascinating, and I want to return to them because I have thoughts on them as well. But for now, is it a good time to wrap up this part of the conversation? Mm -hmm. But for next time, when you return, Michelle, with your voice, the way that it may become, Would you like to discuss the life and times and good works of one Keanu Reeves and how breathtaking he is?
2: I will always, always, always love to talk about Keanu Reeves and his breathtaking ass. Um, (laughs) He can walk away from me all day. And specifically when he is zooming past me on a motorcycle with a giant explosion from behind him
0: <laughs> and, and not looking back exactly he never looks back you can't no, look why back. why would you look back at an explosion
2: sorry i love everything he's ever been in <laughs> so i don't think i've ever seen a movie with keanu reeves in it that i disliked
1: including parenthood
2: so i haven't seen it so there's that
1: this is like me being unaware of there being two extra matrix movies
2: <laughs> no, I am actually never heard of this. I don't know
0: what you're talking about.
1: Very, very early, Keanu Reeves. He played a okay. stoner character in Parenthood, Midnight She's Comedy.
0: But he was still breathtaking.
1: Oh, absolutely. I'm there not saying go. that. I'm, just... I'm not saying that he was bad. I was just like, it's well before my own Private Idaho and some of his better movies. Well before he shot to the top of the action charts on Speed and things like that.
2: When you mentioned stoner Keanu, I have to mention Bill and Ted. I mean, that was my first introduction to Keanu. So I will always, always, always love point him
0: break. in that role. Point break for me and, and Bill and Ted, but point mm-hmm. break.
1: I'm, see, I'm going to come across as the ultimate pretentious queer film nerd of like my own private Idaho.
0: Then you have missed out on the quintessential Keanu Reeves. See, we don't have to talk about it next week. We can talk about it right now. Johnny Mnemonic.
1: Yeah. I've never seen it. I have never seen it. Jay, Despite being a you major have to fan. Fix that. I know. I know. I'm going to go fix that once. If, no, not tonight because I need to have dinner and sort that shit out because I'm starving. No matter how breathtaking Keanu Reeves is, I still haven't seen it. He
2: that is, is still food, my favorite though. cyberpunk movie.
0: He, you know, you just watch that movie, you will be nourished.
1: <laughs> but he will take my breath away. I'm sure. There is another actor who also does his own stunts, who's also involved in a large number of iconic movies. But I don't see Tom Cruise in the same realm as I see Keanu mm-hmm. Reeves. No, 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 no.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a totally different thing. No, Johnny Mnemonic, Dream Boy versus Creepy Boy. Mm-mm.
2: Exactly.
0: exactly. <laughs> no, one, one of them is breathtaking. No, Johnny Mnemonic. Holy crap. It is, absolutely it is such a nerdy movie. Amazing. And the best part of it is is the, the ending. You, I guarantee that you will not see it coming. There is okay. absolutely no way you will predict the ending.
1: Okay. It's so I will, campy. I will watch it, but I will also say I've only recently within the last within the period of time that is locked down discovered John Wick.
2: Okay. So okay. I am
1: yeah. I am so far behind. I am so far behind. The curve okay. here i didn't even know that he was in cyberpunk until i watched a youtube thing so
0: johnny mnemonic is what cyberpunk should have been and if cyberpunk had ended the way johnny mnemonic ended it might have been saved
2: johnny mnemonic gave me my first feelings towards a man i can understand i'll leave it at that and that was also in the original matrix was the first time i openly said something about it towards my mother because he was just like we're going to go see the matrix and I'm just going to look at eye candy. And I was like, he's eye candy for lots of people.
1: <laughs> oh, the other Kenny Reeves that I'm totally there for is him and dangerous liaisons, despite basically playing the stoner boy in, in 16th, 17th century costume.
0: Keanu Reeves in any costume drama of any kind is just chef kiss. Keanu Reeves in Dracula.
2: <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie so much. Oh I'm my good. god, it's so perfect. I love Winona Ryder in that one too. But yes, oh for me, it's he Devil's is. Advocate because I've never a- seen
1: Devil's Advocate. <gasps> I've never seen. There's so much counter that I have to see. I know I'm blowing your he's minds, so but he is breathtaking. I do completely understand. I'm just this is the different era kind That's of. That's where the
2: paths cross because Charlie Steron's in that one too. <gasps> Theron. Ah, They're married the, after... in that one.
1: I still haven't watched Atomic Blonde, by the way, which blows people's minds. So, mm-hmm.
0: Jay, the best part is we're not casting any aspersions. In fact, I'm more excited for you to get to see these films for the first time. Exactly. <laughs> Devil's Advocate contains Keanu Reeves, Charlize Theron, and Al Pacino. In the most Al Pacino role you have ever seen Al Pacino, Al Pacino. <laughs> it is something else to witness. Does not... he
1: completely demolish the scenery every time at he every walks on stage? Literally, Word. quite
0: literally, he does. <laughs> Actually, at the end. At the end, he quite Oh, yeah, at the end, does. he does. What we need to do is we need He's to, to record. We, yeah, we need to record commentary tracks That's what we need to do is the next time we get together next next sorry this was going to be very macbeth next time we
1: three shall meet <laughs> we shall create you sounded so granny with the wax there or nanny og. i'm I, not see, sure see i'm an actor <laughs> all right look we have to stop <laughs> We have yeah. to stop. I have to go
0: eat. We do. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. If you're still here, and I we love you dearly. And we will be talking about Keanu Reeves ad nauseam literally. And Michelle, we wish you the best of luck. We're really excited to have you back as soon as you can on the podcast. Welcome back anytime. This is an absolute joy. Thank you all for listening. Please go check out our Patreon, patreon.com it is complicated, all one word. It helps us pay for our lovely guests to come join us. And we will Be back next week with something Keanu Reeves related, (laughs) clearly. Obviously. All right. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye.